0: Oh my God, listen, be careful about complaining. It totally lowers your vibration. And then you have that to feel guilty about. And feeling guilty causes you to communicate in a really shitty reactive mode that hurts other people's feelings and makes you feel even more guilty. So then you get depressed and you just want to stay home. You start calling into work because you just can't face anybody. You go on antidepressants, which make it hard for you to sleep. So you have to start taking sleeping medication and you start oversleeping and being really out of it. And you miss even more work without calling in and you get written up. So you're thinking you should probably just admit to HR that you're having, you know, emotional problems, which no one could care less about, by the way, in case you were wondering. Now you just have a target on your back. Your supervisor's looking for reasons to write you up. You think, fuck it, might as well drink a box of wine, which of course does nothing for your punctuality, your job performance, or how you look when you finally show up in the morning, hungover and late. Your boss calls you into her office and says, look, we're gonna have to let you go, and then you're unemployed and telling yourself you'll update your resume tomorrow, but you just end up watching more Breaking Bad episodes on Netflix. You consider a career as a meth dealer for about half a minute, but quickly realize that's just a pipe dream. Your friends try to invite you over to cheer you up, but you whine about how you can't spend any money, and you're basically complaining even more now than you ever did in the first place, so everybody pretty much stops calling you. You never answer anyway, you sure as hell don't check voicemail, you don't even respond to text messages, your cell phone's muted all the time so you can nap without being interrupted, we won't even talk about your full-blown addiction to Facebook comments and Tumblr porn. Your horoscope is bad news, you pray, usually while inebriated, you try to talk to your spirit guides from the bathroom floor, because that's probably where they hang out, right? Yeah, that's real effective. Your life sucks. You complain with every breath you take, and of course, the results are exponentially miserable. So yeah, be careful about that complaining thing. It's like a butterfly effect or something. Know what I mean? My name is Slade Robertson. For over 10 years, I've been a professional intuitive and author of the blog, Shifter Spirits, where I try to write about spirituality with fewer hearts and flowers than most new age blather. I also mentor emerging intuitives, psychics, and healers in a program called Automatic Intuition. If you want to find out how you can support my time in producing these episodes, please go to patreon.com slash Listeners who support the show on Patreon can access bonus audio such as guided meditations and exclusive Q&A episodes. And don't forget, there's an oracle segment at the end of the show. Be thinking about a question or a concern you have, hold it in your mind, and I'll come back on at the end after the final links and credits and leave you with that extra channeled message. So back at the end of April 2017, which was about a month before I'm recording this, so about a month ago, I started to notice that I was slipping back into a bad habit, a lot of complaining, mostly about people in my life, even people on TV who aren't even really in my life when you get right down to it, which is complicated in itself. So I thought I'd create some accountability for myself by posting about this on Facebook. It was the beginning of May and I declared that I was going to try to go 30 days without complaining. I probably should have technically said I'm going to complain less this month, which was kind of what I meant and what I was going for. And obviously the more realistic intention. But a bunch of people jumped in on, on the comments and took it as an official challenge. And they were like, I'm in and I need to do this too and count me in. And some of them were sharing it with their own networks as well. And it was sort of an unofficial thing last month. And, you know, a few weeks into it, I can already tell you that I need to do this again for another month, which is why I'm recording this and putting it out at the beginning of June. Whenever you're listening to this, just start the clock. You could even pick the next new moon if you wanted to get really magical with it. Just pick a date, you know, whatever works for your schedule. Give yourself a chance to take a deep breath and then jump in and start. So also, you know, write to me and let me know if you're attempting to do this too. If it continues to be a thing and if it works, like maybe we'll make it an official thing. Maybe have a Facebook group or something where we can discuss what comes up when you're trying to do this. But I just wanted to share some of my observations that I had while attempting this exercise. First of all, my two big challenge areas are family members, like One challenging family member, really, more than anything, and politics. And let me say for the record, I declared this on Facebook with the original post when someone commented, resistance doesn't count that's its own category. Defending yourself from harm would be its own category too. That's not complaining. We're not uh, turning the other cheek or necessarily trying to forgive anybody here. We're just policing the petty negative word choice that's playing in our mind chatter. So one of my biggest takeaways, the rule that I find the most flexible and the most useful is are you talking about what you're for? Just to give an example of how petty and small and inconsequential this might be, um, here's an example of something that I noticed while talking to friends of mine about RuPaul's Drag Race. So I have this group of friends and we're all into drag race and we watch it every season. We have a little premiere party at the beginning and then we have a finale party at the end of the show. And in between, we have a lot of group texting about the show you know this is a reality show it has its lowbrow element sort of built right in but the connection with this group of friends is legitimate and it's fun and it's a fraternity and it's something for us to share and and laugh about and and um, to connect with so usually what happens is the day after the show one of us will send a group text and say You know, everybody chime in when they've seen the episode and they're ready to talk about it because unlike people on Facebook, we're very conscientious about the fact that it might be spoiled for someone if they see the text message before they watch the show. So anyway, we always make sure, hey, have you watched it yet? Chime in. So once we know that everybody's watched, then we share all our catty digs and comments and judgments and, you know, it's just a it's just a fun catty Conversation and it's um, an exercise in humor and and shade and reading people and all that fun stuff that comes out of that drag race culture. But um, I noticed that usually what I talk about when I'm being catty and fun and judgmental is the drag race bitches that I want to see thrown off the show. I usually talk about who I think should go home. And I was really catching myself wanting to do that. And I was right in the middle of this challenge of trying not to complain. And so I thought, okay, well, what do I do with that conversation? How do I stay in this? And so I realized that the easiest way to stay within my challenge of not complaining and still participate without removing myself because that doesn't fix anything was just to make a simple rule that I would talk about the contestants that I'm for. I just talked about the chicks who had amazing looks and the people who performed really well and, and the ones who show heart and the ones who are well spoken and smart and really talking them up and being a champion for what I'm for, as opposed to tearing down the things that I'm against. So that's really, I, I found that I'm, I'm able to apply that concept in a lot of interactions and different com- conversations and context and environments. So um, that's the rule. What are you for? So I use this little silly example because... I think it's the little silly throwaway stuff that flies under your radar and accumulates and becomes this like blizzard of negativity. That's blanketed everything. You know, when you get up one day and you find that your heart has gone cold, um, it's much easier to police your big thoughts. You know, when you get into debates with people, you know, who you are in that moment, defending the things that matter most to you, but it's the, the little petty stuff that, that, kind of comes in as a fine mist and settles everywhere and and it it gets in easier. Um, It it sneaks in. And I think that being able to catch and police that stuff um, has a powerful momentum and a cumulative effect. And just like in my example, you exercise it in a small way and then you learn from exercising that muscle how to really quickly exercise it in a bigger context or in a conversation where something really matters you know so with politics obviously it's complicated i know i don't believe in tuning out as a goal and um you know that is a real simple solution for a lot of people is to just disconnect um I actually believe that being empowered includes being engaged within environments that may oppose you, you know, like a rock in the stream. Um, To me, one of my goals and intentions would be able to stand in my truth and stand in that positivity, even with all that stuff swirling around it, and not just be trolling people or be um, a punching bag or, you know, there to thwart anyone, but to simply within my own self maintain that center of power, and still be aware, and still be plugged in, and still be observing without necessarily reacting in an unconscious way. You know what I mean? So this can be as simple as just catching yourself complaining about the asshole politician that you're against, that you want to see out of there, you know, and talk about who you're for, Who do you want to see in there? Who would be right for that position? If you don't know who, because they all suck, then talk about the qualities you'd like to see in a potential candidate. Help create a vision for all of us to use and aspire toward. Paint a better picture. Some people can't do that. So if you have it within you to help define the higher path, blaze that shit, please. If nothing else, you know, Share strategies and disseminate information about how to take practical action. In some of these situations, you may need to ask, are you complaining or explaining? Explaining something shitty to someone who asks about it, that's not necessarily complaining. Um, I can't remember who it was that commented the explaining versus complaining thing, but it was a good question and um, I'll Put you in the show notes if I figure out who you were. But listen, you can fight. Just be able to identify what you're fighting for, not just what you're fighting against. Don't worry, there are always other people at a point in their journey who will make that case and identify those grievances. There is no shortage of those voices. Someday they may find themselves where you are, needing for your own spiritual well-being to hold space for something else, for solutions. It just feels better to love shit, you know? Even if it's a badass, edgy, rebellious, and powerful thing, whatever it is, passion trumps anger. What do you love? What do you love instead? What would you rather have? What would you rather know? What would you rather think about? Who would you rather be? Oh, I almost forgot to tell you about the manifesting. So I noticed near the beginning of the month when I first started doing this and I had a surge of sort of newness and momentum, I was manifesting shit. Like the week I was being all Pollyanna police woman with my negative self-talk and really feeling it and feeling myself and feeling a certain kind of way and feeling that power. That week was amazing. That was a great week. Just all around. And then I had that challenging family member interaction, and I started to slip a little bit. And you know what? That manifesting power went away. It was just like a cloud slid over the sun. So that's something to think about and watch out for. And practice. Write me about your own experiences with this. Try it. Share your wisdom about it, too. Talk about what's hard and what works, and hopefully how it's changing your life and who you are for the better. I believe the most life-changing, practical, personal development skill you may ever acquire and learn to use well is the conscious management of negative self-talk. This is the voice that corrupts all others, self-defeating, self-sabotaging. It's the channel where the mind viruses of the collective are stored and replayed on heavy rotation. It's the inconsiderate person in the theater who talks over a film. It's the chatterbox who won't let you enjoy your favorite song. It's the unruly child that won't let you read or concentrate. From the time I was old enough to read, I knew I wanted to be a writer when I grew up. During my elementary school years, I assumed that career would look something like a cross between C.S. Lewis and Judy Bloom. Yet, when I was 13 years old, my guide started insisting on the word diarist, not journalist. I asked all the time for that clarification. Trust me, I did. A diarist? Really? Like keeping a journal? Okay, but I wondered, who makes money keeping journals? Back then, I couldn't Google that, but I did start to read the famous diarists I did know about, or thought I did, which were basically Anne Frank, Irma Bombeck, and Virginia Woolf. Yes, I did know who Virginia Woolf was at an early age. Don't ask me how I know. I think it could be related to a past life, honestly. Or maybe I started asking adults, who is this Virginia Woolf, and why would anybody be afraid of her? I was confused about how this keeping a diary thing could be a key to my future writing career. Maybe disturbed is a better word than confused because most well-known diaries emerge only after the authors were deceased. Or they were personal records of people whose lives were significant for other reasons. Of course, this was decades before the invention of blogs, so what do you know? Now, writing journals, blogging, is indeed a type of writing career. And iTunes keeps putting this podcast in the personal journals category, no matter how many times I pick spirituality. In my teens and twenties, most of the journals I wrote in were precious objects. The people close to me regularly gave me gorgeous designer blank books as gifts of all different materials and colors. Rather than keeping purely chronological journals, I began to simultaneously maintain multiple topical writing projects. The concept for each journal was defined by a metaphor based on the book's physical appearance, and usually this was like a literary color device. The various diaries and topics had evocative, dramatic names like The Book of Blood, Wine, and Roses, which is a dark red silk cover with an ongoing diatribe of passion and anger. The Book of Grey Skies, which is a smoky velvet cover like a rainy Sunday, chock full of gag inducing melancholy and teen angst. The Book of Leaves, is a pulpy Japanese rice paper affair bound in actual dried leaves and held closed with a twig and hemp clasp, which I minimally marked inside with brief haikuish Zen wannabe observations about the natural world. You get the idea. Oh, the drama of my sweet younger self. In my 30s, I began to keep identical standardized hardcover black sketchbooks. Since then, it's been serious, intentional, utilitarian, and ultimately, in more recent years, digital, Evernote, which I just realized is branded with the color green. So as you're picturing that shelf of journals, the end of the rainbow of color is marked by a major turning point for me. The last colored diary I wrote in was bound in mossy suede and was called the Book of Faded Green. At that time, I began working with the concept of gratitude journaling and morning pages, as in Julia Cameron's The Artist's Way, and I realized something painfully horrible about all the diaries up to that point. They were all so goddamned whiny, pathetic, and negative. Who would ever want to read that? I didn't even want to read it. The healing green energy of my heart chakra, the life force of my spirit had faded and I needed desperately to change that channel. When I do private readings for clients who are suffering from a severe case of heavy rotation negative self-talk, my guides will simply whisper faded green. It's a kind of clairaudience shorthand, a personal frame of reference for a very specific prescription That that individual requires. The form of the assignment, our guides will suggest, will vary from one client to the next, but it generally means they require an exercise to consciously identify, shift, and retrain their word choices. Call it a re greening exercise. I'm speaking from a place of personal experience. I have so much compassion for this psychic disease, and I know that the only way I shifted these voices of negative self-talk is by becoming very strict about allowing them in the first place. Often, when I read your background emails for private sessions, and all the focus is on what's wrong, what you don't like, what you can't, why you can't, and I get it. I reached a real breaking point with that madness when I was 29 years old. To some degree, it was an epiphany where I detached from my years of journaling enough to read them objectively, and I found that they were pages and pages and pages of what was wrong. It's not realistic to think that you won't encounter challenges or respond to them emotionally or feel daunted by them, but you can put in place and practice some rules regarding negativity. At that time, I started that new faded green journal to train those thought patterns. Whether you actually write or journal or simply think it, the word choices you make have power and it takes practice to retrain your habitual thinking patterns. I made a simple overarching rule that I was not allowed to state or list what was wrong in my journals without also presenting some potential solution. For example, I keep bouncing checks. I suck. Can't stop there. It must be transmuted through taking it one more step. I keep bouncing checks. It sucks. For the next month, I'm going to write down every expense I have and balance my checkbook and account every day if necessary to keep this behavior from continuing. Here's another one. I'm depressed. I need to go to my therapist, but I don't like the one I have. Can't stop there. If I'm going to make such a statement, it needs to have a potential solution attached, something, an action I can at least try. I'm depressed and I'm not happy about the therapist I have. I'm going to make some calls and find some other counselors I can interview. These types of actions are a little bit of extra work. But they're the only thing that will create that change. And whether or not the actions themselves are effective, the most important component in training your mind is to recognize the limited, self-defeating thoughts when you have them and carry the thought process forward at least one more step. So make a similar rule for yourself. You are not allowed to list an excuse, a dislike, a fear, and simply leave it at that. If you stop there, you will stay there. The inertia will be reinforced, and it will eventually become paralyzing. Momentum can also be reinforced and increased. Just like the little negative thoughts are not one big bad bomb, but are small cumulative negative self-speak sprinkled throughout your inner dialogue, the potential positives work in the same way. Not one big magic solution, yet... A mosaic of small hopes and visions of something better, brick by brick, word by word. I'll give you an assignment to start changing this right now. You don't need to start an entire journal. You can try one-off writing exercise. Write yourself a letter or an email and let your negative voice have total control over the microphone. Invite it to do its pissy, complaining, pathetic best How ugly can it really get? Just go for it. Then, read back over it. Copy and paste it into a new document or an email, and go through that letter line by line, sentence by sentence. For every negative statement, I want you to present a solution. Example, I really hate looking for a job, but I'm going to do it anyway. I hate making calls or putting in applications, but... I'm going to put in three applications this week, but I'm going to send out one resume each day. Something really bizarre and physical happened to me in my book of faded green. I don't know if it was the oils on my fingertips, the wear on the nap of the suede from being handled or some combination, but over the course of the months that I worked with that journal, the color began to darken and the surface became worn, bright, and slick. By the time I filled it, the cover of that journal had become bright and shiny green, like a new leaf. By the way, I didn't explicitly stress it in this episode, but gratitude works for most people. If you catch yourself bitching and moaning, immediately stop and take inventory of what you're grateful for. But if you're in a really dark place and you're legitimately not feeling gratitude or love for anything, start listing things that are okay. The weather's okay. This burrito's okay. The traffic's moving along all right today. Work your way up. If you're up for the challenge, just pick a target area, complaining about work, talking bad about people, being too hard on yourself. Customize it. But do what you got to do to police your thoughts and clean up the energy you're putting out into the world. I appreciate your listening to the Shift Your Spirits podcast. For show notes, links, and all the past episodes, please visit ShiftYourSpirits.com. You can subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher or whatever app you use to access podcasts. If you're new to podcasts, it's probably that purple button on your iPhone. Click it, search Shift Your Spirits, and hit subscribe. Then all the episodes will be there for you automatically, and you can take them with you. If you'd like to get a reading with me or download a free ebook and meditation to help you connect with your guides, please go to sladeroberson.com. And if you're interested in my professional intuitive training program, check out automaticintuition.com. Before I go, I promise to leave you a message, an answer to a question or a concern you might have, so take a moment to think about that. Hold it in your mind. Or speak it out loud. I'll pause for just a few seconds. Right now. You're about to experience an awakening. It may be the big magical event you've imagined in your daydreams. It could just be a subtle epiphany, a realization of a truth within yourself. To experience this awakening, you need to be open and honest with yourself open to hearing all the different voices in your consciousness. Listen to the voices of your body, your mind, your heart. They may say things that other people would disapprove of, but it's okay. Being aware of what's true for you doesn't necessarily mean you have to tell it to everyone else all the time. There will be times when you need to speak your truth. And then there are the times where it's just enough to listen, to hear, to take it in, and to let it guide you in a silent private knowing. I'll talk to you later.